Hi, I'm Laura Giles, your host of Modern Animism Radio. We just did our Feast of Transformation celebration. It was two weeks early because that's when we can secure the place. But lots of wonderful things happened uh, that I can now share with you to help you prepare for your Feast of Transformation observation, including the seer. So stay tuned. First, let's acknowledge our ancestors and the elements. I acknowledge the element of earth. And thank you for the ripening food that will take us through the lean times ahead. I thank you for the maturing sensuality that helps us to appreciate the beauty of nature, the taste of fresh food, the smells of the nectar and flowers, the waters that we swim in, and all the lovely things that come from being in human form. Acknowledge and give gratitude to air that just gives us inspiration, communication, and creativity to connect with our inner being, other people, and the spirit realm. Acknowledge the element of fire. Although the fire is waning, the Feast of Transformation is about grasping that last intensity of fire while it's still hot. And we use this time to move into our power and our passion and help us sacrifice what's spent to make space for what's coming, for what we need in the now, not what we've become accustomed to or what we want, but what we need. Acknowledge and give gratitude to water. The silky fluid body that lifts us, nourishes us, cleanses us, and helps us to flow through the desired and undesired. I thank you, water, for taking us to deep, dark places without which we could not grow. I acknowledge our plant, animal, mineral, and human ancestors, and thank you for the blessings that are seen and unseen. May we grow ever more conscious of how we all move together in the web of life so that the choices that we make honor you as well as mankind. For everyone tuning in today, thank you for being here, for sharing uh, us with your peeps. Like and subscribe in our social media posts. It does help our Google rating and in a small way, you know, gives us kind of a virtual high five. So I know lots of people are out there um, who are out of work right now. And if you have something to spare and can donate, that's another way to keep us going during the lean times. You can do so at buymeacoffee.com backslash pansociety. And we're completely supported uh, by our supporters. <laughs> so every single dollar helps. And I find that um, people are most generous in lean times. And if you want to help others become or maintain sustainability, please consider joining our Kiva team. Kiva is a way to provide microloans to people who help them help themselves. So a team pulls their resources to make a greater impact. So our team is the Pan Society team. And when you join our team, you help to support the idea of be the change you want to see in the world. And that is really a way to show that you believe that we're all connected to what you do ripples out into the world in positive or negative ways. And we've had a Kiva team for a little over a year. We've made 14 loans to 18 countries. I'm really proud of that. And we can definitely do better. If you want to join us, go to kiva.org backslash teams backslash pan underscore society. Uh, to start, you loan $25 to whomever you want, and then you get it back. So they pay it back over time. And then you can relend it, which is what I always do, or just take your money and go. So really, it costs you nothing to help someone who needs it desperately because it's a loan, unless you decide to give it away. Um, that could even be a way to kick off your Feast of Transformation Holy Day. So one of the most important aspects of it is sacrifice. So if the $25 is a sacrifice to you, it could be your way of saying, I'm willing to give this up to feel more involved in the world around me, you know, to make a positive impact, 
and show that I am compassionate and aware of food scarcity, sustainability, survival, or ecology, or whatever your your favorite niche is. They have all different kinds of things. You could give it for healthcare or education or whatever you want. Um, the face of transformation is about change. So if you're not purifying and purging on a regular basis, you don't have space for change. Sacrifice is so totally spiritual. It's giving up something valuable to gain something unknown or something that you want so that you can contribute to um, or you can continue to be who you're becoming. It's so that you don't stagnate. And it's funny because as a therapist, so much of what I hear when I ask people their goals is that they want to be comfortable or that they want something to not change. Something feels threatened or uncertain and they want to hold on. You know, maybe it's their partnership or their home or their money. And those are the main things. And we can get so hung up on staying the same that we forget that by letting go, maybe we can soar to new heights. Or even if we don't, we can experience new aspects of being alive. If I've never struggled before, I don't know the joy of feeling accomplishment or perhaps even self-esteem. You know, if we've had our hearts broken, we might not want to be so open and vulnerable again because we don't want to feel that hurt. But maybe the next time is forever. Or maybe the next one will expand your experience of life so much that the heartbreak that comes from it ending will be far outweighed by the growth. We can focus on the inevitable birthing pain so much that we stop growing. So the Feast of Transformation is really about that whole experience. It's the ripening and the bittersweet sorrow of knowing that it's ending and clearing out a space for something new to happen. It can be a hard one, too, because you're enjoying the peak of something wonderful. It's a time that's so full of abundance, warmth, and lovely things that, you know, who doesn't want to hold on? Who wants to look ahead? And yet, we must because nothing gold can stay. So as we look around, it's harvest time. And what you're harvesting on depends on where you are. But for me, it's radishes, turnips, beets, cabbage, carrots, cucumbers, kale, mustard, peas, spinach, apples, beans, cantaloupe, peppers, peaches, raspberries, squash, tomatoes, potatoes, watermelon, and corn. And seasonal foods are great to incorporate into your feast or to use in your altar. Corn husks make great materials for your sear mask, too. I'm going to get to that in a minute. So the Feast of Transformation is an agricultural holy day. It does um, give a nod to Mother Earth for her bounty, and we give gratitude for our survival. So whether you actually work on the land or not, I definitely make that part of your event. Along with that comes the sacrifice. The plants are sacrificing their lives so that we can live. You know, the wheat turns into bread. And uh, at the same time, they're giving up their seeds so that they can be reborn again next year. So sacrifice is another theme that you can either use as your focal point or at least play some part in your celebration. I think sacrifice is a bad word in modern society. It's like painful and something that we don't want to do. I think that's because we focus on the pain up front rather than taking a long view of it. And if you're living holistically, you're in the big picture. The me and the we and sacrifice is part of it. We sacrifice pain to have babies. Parents sacrifice some of their freedom and money to care for kids who need so much attention and resources. We sacrifice money and freedom to attain education. So sacrifice is part of our daily lives. Everything has a cost. We can fall into this thinking that killing things is bad. We don't want to eat meat, but everything dies. And everything is food for somebody. 
if nothing else, the worms and mushrooms are going to get you. So it's not cruel. It's about engaging in the circle of life. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there are natural ways to get food and cruel ones, so choose to be kind. But also know that everything depends on everything else. Another element from the Feast of Transformation is the fire. It's summer, the season of fire. We're right in the middle of it. So the sun is often the hottest. It certainly is right now. We're in the middle of a heat wave. And you can bring in the fire element with candles, flowers that resemble the sun, like sunflowers, or a bonfire. You know, who doesn't love a bonfire? But the other thing to think about is that fire is masculine. So the Feast of Transformation is a way to sink into the masculine energy. We're all so aware of the earth that incubates the seeds and the water that feeds the seeds. And we associate fertility with the feminine principle. But without the male to provide the seed and the heat to warm the earth, nothing happens. So it's a joint venture. So rarely is the male principle celebrated. And I think... Um, because so much of what we see in mainstream culture is toxic masculinity and machismo, you know, who wants more of that shoved down your throat? But healthy masculinity, yeah, we need to cultivate that and celebrate that. So a healthy male is associated with strength, energy, manliness, a strong sex drive. In many cultures, the king's virility is associated with the fertility of the land and the health of the community. So when a king becomes weak, he's replaced. And if you look at the ancient art in countless cultures, you'll see this huge erect penises everywhere that show the importance um, that animus and agricultural societies place on male fertility. And this is showcased in the Feast of Transformation. So life is a partnership between masculine and feminine. No seeds, no womb, no life. And this is the time to honor the male contribution to life through the sun. The sun has triumphed over the wet and cold for long enough to produce life, so we celebrate before the feminine cold and rest has its way with us. And fire is an active energy. It's a time for doing. So sports, games, fairs, festivals, dancing, and music are all a part of that. I hope your event has lots of fun, not just praying, meditating, and being silent and contemplative. This is not that time. <laughs> it's active. You know, it's a time of reaping, of harvesting. So count your blessings. Acknowledge them. Celebrate them. And if it's appropriate, share them. It's not all work, work, work. We reach an end, a payoff at some point. So enjoy the fruit of your labor. So now that I've covered kind of the basic elements of the Feast of Transformation and you've got an understanding of what it's all about, I'll talk about the seer. So the seer is part of our traditional Pan Society Feast of Transformation celebration, and you can actually do a seer anytime. You don't have to wait for the Feast of Transformation. You could do it alone or with a group, but as with any group ritual, the group can either add or detract from your experience. And when it adds, it multiplies the potential release exponentially. So choose your seer guest accordingly. The seer is a purification or a purging ritual, so it's going to move things out so that something new can come in. You can think of it as a manifestation ritual because you can have an intention of what you want to come in. But I think of it more of a maintenance thing. So nature renews constantly, and it doesn't contemplate, hmm, I'd like to move more myrtles over here. It just kind of let the life unfold. And I'm not saying that you can't manifest things or that that's wrong. You know, do you? I just find that life, I just find that life is more interesting and productive when I focus on the purging part and let nature surprise me with the rest. 
So to prepare, you might want to think about what it is that you want to get rid of. Now, this might seem like I'm going against what I just said about not controlling the flow, but it's actually important to tap into this. And you can do this with a laser focus and say, I need to get rid of this job or I need to get rid of this man. Or you can do this more generally with something like there is stuck energy or a black spot here that needs to move. If you go with the latter, you don't have to know what it is, where it came from, or how it's going to go. When something is hidden, it may be that way for a reason, and I don't believe in making things harder than they are. If I don't need to remember or have the details, I'm fine with releasing without all that information. Plus, if something deep is ready to go and I'm focused on something small, I'm missing the opportunity to let go of something more meaningful. So I guess you can tell I just trust the process. It might not be easy to access. You might have to meditate. It's worth the time to get clear. And once you have that, you use that information to make a mask. So you're going to bring that stuckness, that ugliness, that whatever out of your depths and into the surface to help it release. It's like saying, hey, I see you. And my work as a therapist and healer, I can tell you that the big picture of what I do is exactly that. I help people see their blocks, accept their guilt, shame, limitations, or whatever it is, so that they can get to a place of at least acceptance, if not forgiveness. Then we can move um, them back to a place of wholeness. So really, that's what's going on here. Paper mache is great. It's cheap, easy to make, and burns well, and we're going to burn these at the end, so it's important that we keep our toxic footprint small. And don't worry about being a good artist. It's more about capturing a feeling. And don't be surprised if you don't get something ugly or dark. Sometimes a beautiful vision like a butterfly or a unicorn or a fantasy figure could mean that you need to get rid of the illusions, the, you know, the rose-colored glasses or showing a happy face when you really don't feel that way. So trust whatever you get. And when crafting these, let yourself get creative. Use things from nature like leaves, corn husks, nuts, bark, pebbles, feathers, sequins, string, yarn, or whatever strikes your fancy. Ideally, these are handmade, and you have your vibration on them. They're magical objects, so the more personal you can make them, the better. And if you want a handcraft charged seer mask, let me know, and we can talk about me making one for you. I'd need at least 30 days, and I'd want to meditate on your needs before doing it so that it's made specifically for you. The ritual will work without that, but the more intention and juice you give it, the better your results. It's like anything. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So let me back up for a second and address something else that just popped into my head before I forget it. So someone asked me um, who a seer was for. Uh, and someone asked me how often one can do a seer. So the seer is for anyone who wants purification. Now women have their own powerful cleansing each month, so we don't generally have to do another one unless we're not connected to the moon and using our menstrual cycle as a way to tune into our minds, bodies, and spirits. That said, Doing group ritual can be super powerful because if the container is strong and the group is connected, anyone who has issue X, whatever that is, can release it from anyone else in the group who has that issue. So whether they were focusing on it or not. Um, so if your seer has 10 people, you might go with one known issue and get three to seven releases. So is it worth it for a woman to do a seer? You bet. Um, as to how often I do it, well, it's addictive. You know, trance can produce euphoria. Releasing old wounds can motivate you to let go of more and more and more. But everything has a resting period, too. 
So you want to give yourself space for things to incubate and fall into a new rhythm before you do it again. I'd say once a month is the soonest that I would do it. In some cultures, they do their version of the seer once or twice a year. So that's going to give you some guidelines. Really, I'd say do it as often as you need to. There's nothing risky or dangerous about it. But at the same time, it's not party entertainment. It's sacred. So honor that. Now, as soon as you decide to do a ceremony, you're in ceremonial space. Your intention created that. So you might think about how to prepare your mind, body, and spirit. Think about if you want to fast. If you fast, what will that fast entail? Are you giving up tobacco, greasy foods, sugar, sex, cursing, drugs, alcohol? You know, what? And for how long do you want to fast? I think it should go up until you do the seer because that's kind of the point is going clean. Um, but you might want to do it, you know, for a week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever. That's kind of what I'm talking about, well, how long. Um, the purer, the cleaner you go into ceremony, the more you get out of it. And that's traditional in all cultures, as far as I know. And the more you sacrifice, the more you tend to get out of it. Um, now, the people make a difference. You can absolutely do it alone, which could work out well if you're shy or inhibited. At least you don't have to worry about people judging you or feeling self-conscious. But the energy of the crowd brings you along too and can take you further than you can go along sometimes if it's a good crowd. If, so it really depends on if you pick the right people to steer with you. If you have all new people who don't know what's going on, that's going to be tough. If it's mostly shy or introverted people, that can be a challenge too. Fortunately, the masks help with inhibition a lot. So do use the masks. They are so symbolic for so much. And group size can be anywhere from two people to 100, seriously. Whole tribes can sear together, but it's usually not more than 20 people. It can get unruly, especially if there are lots of new people. Another thing about the group is that you probably don't want to allow any drugs or alcohol. I know a lot of uh, interest now is in psychedelics and plant medicine. Got nothing against that. But if you declare it to be a drug and alcohol-free zone, keep it that way so that everyone's on the same page. You don't want to have the event ruined by someone having a bad trip. If you decide to use plant or chemical enhancers, lots of people who are not trancing um, should be available to contain the space and assist those who might need it. The participants should focus on their own experience, not on babysitting other people. And to have the best experience, you really have to be willing to surrender. The music or drumming is going to last 90 minutes to two hours. And this is actually a condensed version for Western audiences. In traditional societies, the ver their version of the seer goes on for hours or even days. And um, the trance can come from gazing into the fire, breathing, moving with the beat, to let your body do what it wants to do. It may take some time to resist the desire to stop or start thinking or talking. Thinking is the enemy of trance, seriously. Trance happens in the alpha and theta brainwave states, and talking or thinking happens in beta, so it's a trance killer. So shut up and push past it. If you could heal by thinking, you'd be there by now. <laughs> so don't talk yourself out of your experience. If you're thinking, am I doing it? Is this it? You know, acknowledge the thought and keep going. If you keep going, you're going to get where you're trying to go, and you're going to have time to intellectualize later. Um, I had some visuals that I'm still processing, and I can tell you how it felt, but the feeling part of the brain isn't connected to the language part, so I'm having trouble articulating it still. And what I don't want to do is try to work that out during this year. It would be a distraction from the experience. 
And don't hold back. Uh, at the Sierra, I had three trance experiences and one almost release. In the almost release, I was drumming with the drum against my chest, and it was like the drum was my heart beating, and I could feel this sensation rising. I wasn't sure if I might cry or start throwing up, and I'm not normally self-conscious, but um, for a fleeting second, I thought, oh, no, you know, and that was enough to stop it. Uh, I'm sure I probably could have taken it there and had to put more energy into it, but whatever it is, it's still sitting there on the surface. So sooner or later, um, I, I need to get that out of there. But um, I could have gotten it then if I just had the courage, and that's kind of my point. Um, just just let yourself do what you're doing. Um, I think I didn't do it there because there were a lot of new people, and I didn't want to freak anybody out. Uh, for me, throwing up goes a lot along with the purge. It's just what I do. And I know that about myself, so it's not a big deal. But in that environment, I just didn't want to do it because it might freak people out. So um, don't be afraid to use your voice to get stuff out. So I mean like scream or howl or bark, yelp, growl, laugh, you know, make jubilant sounds, whatever. It adds to the energy of the circle, but more than that, it helps you to open up and let things out. Grief especially is an emotion that releases well with sound, and grief has its own sound. If you've ever heard it, you know what I'm talking about. And if one person taps into it, the whole group can access it. So it's not personal, it's communal. And that's what the seer is really about. It's about releasing what is personal and communal, intergenerational, ancestral, all of that. And you do want to stay present the whole time. Remember that you're holding space for others. So as soon as your attention wanes, the power of the circle wanes. So we're all in this together as a group. That said, if something's going on and you need to take care of that or attend to it, don't think that you're trapped. It's okay to take care of yourself. If you need to sit or feel the need to be still, let the music or fire take you somewhere, by all means sit. And for me, I want to move the whole time. I find that Westerners want a quick fix, and the seer takes time to unfold. If you're shy or not used to releasing especially, there's a buildup, a release, and then a recovery period. And if you're not present and participating the whole time, you can miss it or at least have less of an experience than is possible. You know, powwows go on all night. Rituals go on all night, and they're physical, draining things. They require a sacrifice of your comfort and energy, and they're not going to give you something for nothing. you got to be all in. So, you know, sometimes being exhausted, going to the point of exhaustion is part of it. That's the lead-up to the release. So if you just be like, oh, I'm tired, I'll sit down, you might not get there. So you can do what you want with that. Um, you might want to dress for the part, and by that I mean wear something special that puts you in the right mood or don ritual gear. When you wear ritual clothing, they become charged over time with the powers of the ritual before. And they put you in the headspace to be in that liminal space, and it will make it a more powerful experience. Uh, if that makes you feel like a dork or a pretender, don't do it. Do what's authentic to you. You need to feel real comfortable in this space. Again, I'd recommend... Um, Handcrafted garments that are natural fabrics, the closer you are to nature, the better. And the more of the, your energy that's in the thing, the more personal it is. So I have two ritual gowns. One is undyed linen that is hand-sewn. It's very plain and rather shapeless. Um, but believe it or not, I've gotten a lot of compliments in it. Go figure, right? <laughs> I think it must make me glow from rituals past. I don't really know. I think it's a, it must be an energetic thing because it's not a beautiful garment. Um, and I have another one that's a gift from my Lakota friend, also very plain. 
but it's very special because it's her way of saying that I'm, I'm an honorary Lakota and I'm welcome in ceremony with her. So it touches my heart to wear it, and she's kind of with me when I wear it. And your ritual gear can be whatever you want it to be. It can be plain or fancy. So I prefer the plain, but that doesn't mean that yours can't be like bling bling, you know, um, because it should reflect you and make you feel good. And if you know an event is closing optional, it's absolutely okay to go skyclad. The air and the sun on the bare skin is exhilarating, but I would not plan on that unless you know for a fact that that's what's happening. I mean, we are in the USA, and it is what it is. Um, and I hate to tell you what to expect because then it becomes a yardstick by which your experience is measured or maybe a goalpost. There's really no typical experience. They're all different. It depends on so many factors like the moon phase, your energy level, your preparation, the crowd, your participation, if you slept the night before, what you ate, the comfort level, and, and all of that. I'll tell you some things that are common, though. One is laughing. I certainly burst out laughing hysterically. <laughs> and that's actually pretty common for me. And, and laughter is an expression of joy. It's a release. It's an invitation for others to feel happy. Sometimes it's a way of expressing the absurdity of a situation or your own discomfort. Whatever it's saying, it's okay to let yourself laugh. You know, sometimes we laugh to cover up pain. Whatever. It's all good. Um, crying is probably the next most common. This can be silent tears or body-wracking sobs, you know, where you can't get your breath and you're convulsing on the ground. And I'm totally serious. Um, I've done this. And it's incredible. It's releasing. You feel both so worn out, but it's also so clean and renewing. And if you're on the edge of this, I say go for it. Uh, it does take courage and vulnerability in the group, but if you dare, it's going to be worth it. Uh, sexual arousal is also super common. It's that whole uh, primal experience thing. The drums are arousing. You have writhing bodies all over you. People are sweating. His emotions are coming up. You know, people are flailing and it's just really, really charged atmosphere. If your body's opening up, the chances are your sacral and root chakras are open and flowing too. So sex is about survival, virility, and aliveness. It's good. It's natural. Just don't act on it in the circle. You know, <laughs> It's always about consent and situation, and that is not the time. Um, other people are also having their experiences, and you don't want to interfere with that. Another thing is, let's say that someone else is in a state of arousal and uh, you choose to work that out with each other. Nothing wrong with that among consenting adults. Adults, However, it's not about that other person. And you could have regrets once the dust settles. So I think it's healthier to make choices like that when you're in a different headspace because you may or may not have had the same ideas uh, in a different circumstance. So, you know, who knows? Um, Sometimes the uh, unselfconscious wild ride is exactly what you need. So just putting it out there for something for you to think about. Euphoria is also really common. You might get really fabulous feelings of being more connected to the universe or the people in the circle than you've ever felt before. It might be the ancestors, plants, or anything really. Or it could be more undefined and not connected to anything in particularly. Uh, you just feel wildly happy. And this can last a long time. I really get visuals, but some people do. You can see things that aren't there, uh, not like in crazy ways, but more in a way that happens because your mind expands to see beyond ordinary consciousness. It's like a barrier drops and you see things within your own life in a different way, or you may see the order of the universe or anything in between. 
It's like your psychological barriers come down and you see what's always been there beyond their stories. And this can happen with your felt sense too. So you feel things. Maybe you feel someone else's love who's in the circle or not in the circle. You can feel the presence of your ancestors or just the love inside of you that you're made of. And maybe you get in touch with the pain that you've suppressed and your heart finally breaks, letting out all that pain. It could be anything. The possibilities are endless. The coolest part is that the effect lasts beyond the two hours or so of the ceremony. If you have a release, the change is permanent. If you forgive someone, it changes forever. If you discover that you are love, that awareness is yours. And the spirit is an ancient animus practice that I think everyone should do periodically. We live in a toxic society and all this stress accumulates if we don't engage in something to discharge it. It's mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. You might gag, scream, shake, sweat, cry, or laugh. It's all good. Trust yourself. Let yourself feel what you need to feel and do what you need to do. Lose control in this safe space. We don't have spaces where we can constructively lose control. And as a consequence, we're all so uptight. So here, you get rewarded for losing it, and I think that's beyond cool. I know that you can't really know what it's like until you experience it, but I hope that demystifies it somewhat. People are asking me when we can do it again, so we're going to do it at the Autumn Equinox Gathering. Um, so check our Facebook event posting for details. It's super, super uh, group size is limited because of corona, and it's almost full, but check it out. You know, I'd love to have you join us, uh, but whatever, whenever it's going to be, it's going to be posted there. So thank you all for tuning in. Come see us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and we'd love to talk to you. If you've never done a SEER before, you've probably I've probably answered a lot of your questions, but maybe I've uh, created even more. So feel free to join the conversation and share your experience if you have one. And don't forget, if you'd like to donate, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com backslash Pan Society. So I'm Laura Giles for Pan Society, and I will see you next week. Thanks.